Hey everybody, season-ending version of Bleeding Claire and Cobalt here with you, Trey Fitzgerald, Ryan Hale. We'll look back at that leg three of the round one playoff series in Houston. We'll talk about some of the comments coming out of season-ending exit interviews from Danny Masofsky, Diego Luna, Pablo Mastroeni, Elliot Fall, Tamir Krylak, and others. And then we'll look ahead to contract guarantees, options declined, options exercised. We'll break down the whole MLS offseason calendar for you. A little bit of Royals news coming out of this week. We'll have all that and much, much more coming up next on Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, brought to you by One Wire Fiber. Hey guys, just a big shout out to our friend Adam Sessions and One Wire Fiber. We would not be able to bring you Bleeding Claret and Cobalt every week, every month without their great support. So you wouldn't want all your RSL news information coming from some distant, out-of-state people that don't care about this community. So why would you rely on your voice, video, text for business coming from one of these big companies that literally don't care about you. If you don't own a business, but your friends do, your family does, you got to reach out to these guys because the level of customer service, of support, attention to detail from One Wire Fiber is immense. And we all know how fast the world is moving these days. If our phones, our computers, if our connectivity is not functioning properly, you just feel completely stuck in the water. And Adam and One Wire Fiber, they will figure it all out for you so you don't have to. The number one, W-I-R-E dot C-O, One Wire Fiber, they will take care of you. They care about this community. They care about this club. And they care about you. Okay, Ryan, obviously Saturday night slash Sunday morning, very disappointing end in many ways, kind of a sudden end to Real Salt Lake's 2023 season. 46 games, 31 players, 10 and a half months. Um, I think my emotion personally Saturday night was that I was very upset. We didn't have any more games left. Um, But I guess there's part of me that was also relieved that the season was over and we can get into all that. I, I I just don't know if you can lose a playoff series by a thinner margin um, than penalty kicks in the third leg. Obviously, we won on penalty kicks in the second leg. Maybe the only way it could have been thinner is if the first leg had gone to penalty kicks. But, you know, um, we played Houston six times this year. It was the most we've ever played a single team in a single season. Um, We never beat Houston. Obviously, they ended our Open Cup run. They ended our playoff run. And um, they were a tough nut to crack. And they're very good at home. Ben Olsen has that very talented team flying. Um, You know, they couldn't really shake us either. They did have one dominant win in Sandy three days after the Open Cup semi. So that was, you know, a little bit of a hangover match, I think, for RSL. Obviously, the new format, we can get into this. The new format uh, created a weird dynamic. I think we talked about it a little bit last week and that 
after that Monday night home shootout win, you know, it was do or die for one side, but not for the other. Certainly Houston would have liked to have um, finished that series on that night, on that, but they were not able to. Uh, Diego Luna, obviously an amazing goal to equalize midway through the second half for RSL. Uh, very emotional penalty miss for him uh, 25 minutes later. Obviously, Danny Masofsky missed a penalty kick, but if it's three centimeters to the right, it tucks inside that post instead of going off the post and off the keeper. And then maybe uh, maybe RSL figures out a way to advance. But, you know, Pablo coming under a lot of criticism for not doing the same thing he had done Monday night in Sandy, which is saving Demir for penalties. Uh, Musovsky instead coming on for a very gassed and a slightly injured Jefferson Savarino. Um, Pablo did talk a little bit after the game that he was – maybe looking to be unpredictable with the penalty kick order and takers and not trying to just replicate what had happened Monday. Obviously uh, you open yourself up for second guessing and criticism and and Pablo certainly did that and he's handled that uh, this week, but a disappointing end to a season that I think most of the locker room feels like it was a success um, certainly they didn't achieve the goals they wanted, but I, I don't think any one of them would term it a failure. Um, certainly a disappointment. And uh, listening to Justin Glad, Diego Luna, Zach McMath, um, Chicho Arango, Brian Vera, uh, talking to media after the game in Houston on, on Saturday night, you know, I think they they all talked about you know, what a great season it was prior to Pablo Ruiz getting hurt. Um, I think everyone to a man, um, we heard some of this in the last couple of days of exit interviews, guys like Jasper Loffelsund or Emeka Anelli, um, Rubio Rubin talking about um, there's a sense that there's a strong core with a little bit of unfinished business. So um, that's kind of the 30,000 foot view, I think. You know, everybody's going to get a little bit of a break. Preseason for the 2024 season starts in seven and a half weeks. So a little bit of downtime, but not a ton for everybody. And, uh, you know, everybody's looking to jump on that offseason workout plan and conditioning plan and come back into January ready to go, ready to take advantage of the altitude. That was a common theme is that, Guys do feel like they let the fans down, let themselves down, and not and did not take advantage of uh, what is traditionally a very strong home performance and home record. So uh, those were the themes coming out of uh, Saturday night. What did you see uh, both on the field and and uh, what did you hear coming off uh, from the guys uh, after that elimination match in Houston? Well, first of all, thanks for uh, calling in today, Trey. Uh, Trey's on the road. Um, already a very busy off season. You know, just a couple <laughs> days out from the the last ball kicked by ourselves. But uh, yeah, no, the game was obviously so super emotional. Uh, 
a Corey Baird goal is always kind yeah. of another little twist to that, you know, that's just a, maybe a little extra, I don't know, but you want to see that guy do good. You just don't want to see it happen in the playoffs and we get stars. Right. And all that stuff. So, um, Diego Luna's goal was, uh, I, I, I think just a incredible, like combination of things that we've been talking about and, you know, putting Diego in a place where he can be dangerous and the, players around him kind of performing. I think, I think those things came together. Uh, I, I find I'm going back and listening to myself talk on these when I'm editing, I, I say things like, uh, I say a lot of things that are the same, but, but I feel like there was, it was a winnable game. This is one of the things I say a lot, but it was a winnable game. And I think uh, a few things slipped through the fingers. Penalties are just, there's, I, there's nothing in the entire, in sports, there's nothing that quite hits like a, a penalty, you know, like how much a penalty means compared to the, how outsized in the importance of that, because it does come down to one kick. I mean, I still, I still, I can still visualize Lavelle Palmer hitting the post, you know, 10 years ago. And that has nothing to do. I mean, that guy doesn't deserve me thinking that about him 10 years later, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff is just kind of outsized and outweighs kind of the other things that were happening on the field. Um, you feel for Diego because man, he hit a great, penalty before and it is like you know that the the head games of what goes on for a penalty are just insane um so you know i feel for the guy i know he's gonna have he's gonna have dozens and dozens of penalties scored in his career but that one he's gonna i, I know it's gonna it's gonna haunt him back you know 10 years 20 years from now too so would have loved to see demir take a penalty i know that's kind of the, yeah. the that's kind of a hot button issue on this one um not knowing what that this decision behind that was, I you know that that's one thing I felt like from my as as silver lining as I can be, I think that's the one that kind of is is hanging with me though. Um, but you know, I think what this team looked like at certain points during the season, I didn't really anticipate them getting to a place where they were one kick of the ball away from moving on to the second round of the playoffs. But they were obviously there. I think they could have won the first game in Houston. They definitely could have won this this third game. Um, the three game series was an interesting thing that I've been kind of, you know, I've, I've gone up and down. I like, does, do I hate this? Do I love this? Is this good? Is it bad? I think it's an interesting MLS quirk. It's the MLS quirks are getting harder to find these days. It's basically now yeah. contracts and stuff like that. But to have, to have a three game opening the first round series is kind of an interesting quirk that you don't find anywhere else in the world. And I think ultimately it's interesting and it adds some dynamics that you don't see in other games in other places in the world. So I ultimately think it's, it's fun. It's interesting. It may not be the most efficient way to decide a, a playoff series, but I think it was, I think it was good. All, all in all, I, that's my, I guess. So anyway, I guess that's most of my takeaways from that. We should, probably should have scored a couple more goals, but I think. Uh, yeah. Gomez had some chances early on. Um, there was a brilliant pass in the second half from Arango from Chicho uh, that found Rubin and he was just unable to get it past both the defender and the goalkeeper. Those are the two big chances that kind of stand out in my head. Um, what a pass with the outside of the right boot as he was going left at the corner of the box from uh, Chicho uh, to find Rubin maybe just atop the six. That's one that you know, maybe if Chicho's a little sh sharper and had been playing more over the previous month, uh, maybe that pass, although it's hard to imagine it being more precise. But, uh, you know, he was battling there in that whole second half. Um, Rubin obviously was, a, I think, a little bit of a surprise substitution. 
uh, for Gomez, who was clearly just gassed. Um, I think we saw a lot from Andres Gomez in, in the last month of the season, um, sort of like Luna, where he really took his game. He scored in four of his last five games. Uh, both those young guys really amped it up. And, uh, you know, even more so than the, you know, most of 2023, I think you could say, was a little bit up and down for them and uh, probably a little more volatile for Gomez than for Luna. Luna clearly on the ascendancy when he came back uh, from Argentina, and he really, really did take over that last uh, month of the season, including the playoffs. So, um, you know, Diego did talk in his exit interview about being solely focused on RSL and looking forward to being here next year. Obviously next year is going to be a big year for him. He's expected to have the Olympic team built around him. Uh, the world, it's mostly a U23 group, but there's a few overage players. Uh, they'll go to the Olympics in Paris. So that'll kind of divide up his 2024 season as well. Um, as we've seen since MLS started in 1996, that uh, when players have to kind of split their, time and their minds between club and country sometimes it can have a delayed or an adverse effect on a on a club season or club career but man i'm just so happy I, you know pablo talked about it in his exit interview as well is just seeing diego get better and better every day every game every week every month it's just uh, exciting to see him you know as a sponge that's uh, learning every day and taking those learnings and performing at a higher and higher level every day. So when you look at next year's RSL roster and you think about a core group that will have Diego Luna, Chicho Arango, um, Justin Glad, Pablo Ruiz presumably will come back mid-January healthy and ready to go from his meniscus injury. Um, the list goes on and on. Elliot and Pablo did indicate that there won't be massive turnover in this offseason. And I think uh, everybody feels like we have a, a core group, a predominantly young core as well, um, that will be expected to deliver big, big things uh, as things progress in 2024. And, and, you know, what does that mean, not only for the guys I've mentioned, but Andres Gomez. Nelson Palacio, Gavin Beavers, um, even a guy like Farnsworth or Holt, who have been injured the last couple of years, Bertine Jacquesson, Elijah Paul, who's on loan, maybe even Axel Kai, Xavier Gozo, um, Brian Vera is actually still a very young player, um, Brian Ojeda, still under the U22 mechanism. So um, I'm, I'm excited. Kevin Lambert is a little older but another new face uh, that came in late this year. And uh, I'm, I'm already excited for next year, even though I think uh, everybody's looking forward to maybe taking their foot off the gas for uh, a little bit here around the holidays to recover from a long season, to maybe gain perspective on the successes in open cup leagues, cup playoffs, and certainly a regular season. And then, uh, try to be one or 2% better when they bounce back next year. And uh, like I said, turn that home record around, try to maintain that road mentality. 
and uh, and just go deeper in all the competitions. Like Pablo, Pablo finished his press conference this week by saying, "I want to win something." So hardware is clearly a, a big focus and a big goal for everybody. Yeah, interesting that that idea of like one percent better because you think like that doesn't that's kind of like PR spin talk, <laughs> but you yeah. think one percent better that wins that wins this game in Houston, right? And yeah, uh, I, I didn't I didn't come up with it. This, yeah, is, no, this is what Pablo and the players they talk about being one percent better every day, and o- over the course of a three hundred day MLS season. That's uh, those are big improvements. Definitely. No, I think that's one of those, like I, you, you hear a lot of these, like the sports cliches and then you think, oh, well, if you, that actually applies, I, that really does. Uh, that's how close this team was to a lot of really big, big moments. I think was literally yeah. like 1% away. So, and as we're talking about, like we have these, we have these, uh, um, you know, this is the, the MLS season isn't officially over yet. So I think that the, the big dates that things start moving don't really happen until after the, the final. Is that right? Yeah, so I've got, I've got the off-season calendar here. Yeah, let's go. Let's take a look at that. Yeah, let's go for so that. clearly, the you know the playoffs are going to resume here on November twenty fifth, twenty sixth weekend, and then MLS Cup is December 9th. There's all kinds of off-season mechanisms. So um, you know there are there is a deadline to exercise options of December first. Uh, there's a college showcase that coincides with MLS Cup weekend, December 6th through 9th. Trade window opens December 11th. Um, there's a end-of-year waiver process on December 12th. Free agency opens on December 13th. Uh, then you have the re-entry process, Stage 1, on the 14th. The college Super Draft, which is greatly expanded this year. Um, is Tuesday, December 19th. Reentry process stage two is Thursday, the 21st. And, you know, I'll, I'll defer to the MLSsoccer.com website for anybody that wants to go in and read the nitty gritty on um, how the waiver drafts work, how the reentry works, who is and is not eligible for free agency. They're based on their age or their years of service. Um, so look, RSL is going to announce options declined, options exercised. Here's who's guaranteed for 2024. Um, that release may actually even be out by the time you're listening to this podcast, but it just means that there are a lot of mechanisms in December and January uh, for there to be improvements made to the roster for adjustments made to the roster. RSL has, you know, Haziel Orozco and Elijah Paul over on loan in Larn. So, you know, what does that look like in January? Do those guys stay on loan? Do they come back? Uh, there's a lot of questions uh, and there's a lot of various opportunities that different guys will have. So, you know, as we sit here today, Scott Caldwell and Danny Masofsky are, are the two guys that are out of contract. Um, I would expect Demir Krylock's option to be declined at the number he's at, but at the same time, the club and Demir do not want a divorce. They want to discuss options uh, to bring him back next year under a different financial model. And, uh, you know, there's those discussions may be happening with other players as well. But um, I don't know 
about you, Ryan. I am pretty pleased with the core we have. Um, you know, people have asked Pablo Mastroeni if, you know, does Jefferson Savarino come back next year? Even though he's guaranteed, uh, does he want to be here? And, and Pablo was pretty frank on uh, his media availability about, you know, if Sava wants to be here, we want him. But, you know, we don't want to hold guys hostage either. So, um, you know, if, if there are players that think they're going to be happier somewhere else, the club is, again, under the right financial mechanism, is going to try to accommodate everybody's wishes. But uh, Elliot, Kurt, Tony Beltran, ownership, Pablo, his staff, uh, there's a lot of discussions, a lot of decisions that that will uh, be made, and you know, between now and Christmas. I do think that this club's kind of evolving into something that maybe uh, we've been looking for as fans for a long time, and that is a team that has like valuable assets that are sellable. And uh, sure, I think that that may. I mean, you know, you talk about things like Safarino, and we've 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 brought this up too about you know people like. Uh, Diego Luna or Gavin Beavers, people that are like, that do have value on the international market. And I think, um, but you're also at the same point, you're like, we're talking about a team that does kind of maintain this. You know, there's not a, there hasn't been a season. I can't remember a season where there's been a lot of upheaval in the, in the off season. So I think that, um, you know, it is interesting to see how I'm interested to see what, what happens with some of these guys, you know, knowing that, um, I don't know. I, I don't think it's any secret to, 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 to say that like, Savarino may have interest playing somewhere else, which I think everybody, I mean, I think, I think any player that's playing on this team should have aspirations to play somewhere else. I think that's, that's part of what drives, makes players better is that to drive to be better. I think that a lot of them though, you see like what um, we do, we do have, we're lucky to have guys like, you know, Demir who during his press conference was also saying that, uh, you know, he loves to be part of RSL and he hopes to be part of it, you know, in the future. And I think that's kind of, we're lucky to have those guys be part of this. You, know, you guys that have signed long-term contracts like Justin Glad. Um, but yeah, I think I, as far as I goes from my own personal perspective, I do like the way this team is, but you know, I think that if the right opportunity comes up, I hope that we do see some, some players getting a chance to move out and some players get a chance to move in. I think that, you know, talking about that, that the 1%, you know, again, like, you know, maybe a player that's a 1% happier and is, will help make that happen. You know, that's, that's, I think something that could be said here and, uh, you know, Salt Lake's not an easy place to play, but I don't think there's a lot of, I think that could be said about most places. So I think that it's interesting to see, like when you do find someone, a player that, that does come here and embraces the, the RSL way or whatever, um, I think you see them do, they, they do rise above what they're, you know, on paper capable of. So, um, yeah, no, I'm always, this is always like, I feel like we talked about this maybe before too, but, uh, you know, that the anxiety of, of results, you know, week after week and, you know, watching the team perform, it's a different kind of anxiety that happens through the weeks of the, of winter, you know, where you're tr watching the, um, you're, you're waiting to hear about club, about player movement and that kind of stuff. I think there's some, there's an anxiety that I can't shake there that, that I think is just, you know, it's excitement, but it's also like, I don't want to lose my guys. And I don't, you know, I'm not sure, you know, that kind of stuff. So the uncertainty of that does kind of have its own special, you know, RSL related anxiety that, you know, I guess I kind of missed. It's, it's fun to have it back and I'm excited to see what happens over the next couple of yeah. months. And I guess there's also, because I feel a lot of the same things you just described, and you would expect, oh, in December and January, we're going to make all these moves 
and turn over the roster a little bit. But then if you look back at the last, I don't know, 10 months, right? Dating back to all the players that we've added, right? So you have Andres Gomez came in in January. Brian Vera, I think in late January, early February. Um, Then you had uh, Nelson Palacio, Chicho, Kevin Lambert. Uh, You firm up Brian Ojeda this summer. Um, There has been maybe a certain amount of churn on the roster like while the season was going on because I think you would look at all those guys and say, okay, they're part of the core going forward. Um, Saverino, Luna from the year before, Oviedo from the year before, um, you know, not having Pablo Ruiz for the last, I don't know, what, 15, 20 games of the season across all competitions. Like, it's going to be nice to have him back. And even though he's not a new player, hopefully it's kind of a new version, a healthy version, and uh, he can pick up right where he left off and and really be that deep-line playmaker, that fulcrum that everybody depended on so much. So um, there's a lot to be excited about. Like, okay, what is – what does Bodie Hidalgo and Andrew Brody and Emeka Nelly and Bertan Jacquesson and Elijah Paul and Haziel Orozco and Xavier Gozo and Axel Kai, like what do all these young guys, uh, even a, a Jasper Loffelson, you know, how different is he going to look in year three than he did in year one? Um, so the evolution of all those guys based on, the experience they had this year, the minutes they earned, the situations, whether it was a reg- regular season game, an Open Cup game, a Leagues Cup game, or a playoff game, you know, getting thrown in the fire. Um, I think that's what has everybody kind of excited looking forward, even though Pablo, Elliot, the locker room, everybody is still very exhausted um, from 2023 and you know, here we are still only five days after uh, that season ended. So many questions, but I think that's the fun of it. It's like you kind of get to put the pieces together and hopefully they come together at the right time and the right moment and they, they work together for yeah, some results come, you know, next season. So uh, along with uh, along with the RSL news, which I mean, we're, we're kind of in the middle of it's happening right now. Um, we also have some Utah Royals news, which... I'm pretty excited for anytime, anytime, anytime I get a news alert that pops up with Utah Royals right now, it just like, it gets my, it gets my pulse running, but yeah, what, uh, what can you, what can you let us in on in the, the news that we've heard the, in the last couple of days from the Utah Royals? Yeah. So Utah Royals signed their first player of the new era, uh, Michaela Clough. That name may sound familiar to some fans. She played at BYU uh, a couple years ago, um, grew up in Kaysville. Uh, Davis County legend, um, one of the true, I guess, record holders in Utah high school state soccer, BYU soccer. She spent the last two years with Orlando Pride of the NWSL, and uh, the Royals traded $90,000 in allocation money plus expansion protection to Orlando for Michaela and the number 26 overall pick in the upcoming uh, NWSL draft. So the Royals roster is coming together. There may be another trade or two uh, this week as uh, teams try to 
again, gain that expansion protection in their rosters. And then next week, Thanksgiving week, is when free agency opens in the NWSL. So you may see some more movement and some more signings there. And then, uh, you know, again, December 15th is a big uh, draft that fans can watch on CBS Sports Network and follow along CBS Sports Golasso. The NWSL, uh, just a couple days before the, the Cup uh, last weekend, uh, announced their new media deals. So there are four TV networks that you're going to be able to watch NWSL on uh, in 2024 as both the Utah Royals and Bay FC, uh, the San Francisco area team, come in as expansion teams. The playoffs have been expanded in the NWSL, so eight out of 14 teams will make the playoffs next year. And um, we'll see if that's a, a good thing for, for the Royals. Um, obviously, Amy Rodriguez, the head coach, Kelly Cousins, the sporting director, Michelle Heinchik, the president, are uh, very, very busy right now trying to build that roster out and, uh, and have a, a team that grows together, that is competitive, that uh, helps fill that building in Sandy um, and kind of, I guess we can call it the, the Royals' second inaugural year. But just excited to kind of get that uh, process underway to start taking those first steps where you crawl before you walk, you walk before you run. And then hopefully by March of 2024, we've got a group that uh, is exciting to watch, that loves the community and uh, is ready to compete in uh, in a rapidly growing and a rapidly changing national women's soccer league. Yeah, memory serves back in 2018 when these the, the new players were rolling out in the before the the first inaugural season. Man, it was every single day for a good month and a half of new players and new things, everything new. So, so many, and I, I anticipate all that's going to be kind of the same for this this run out here too. A uh, quick shout out to Scott Parkinson and Seattle Rain, OL Rain, mm-hmm. um, and Laura Harvey. You know. They they didn't they didn't take it all the way they lost it ultimately to New York but but yeah the NWSL has been very compelling I think we've seen a lot of interesting very very exciting interesting games with uh with some great performances and we're starting to see like I think uh for someone who kind of tries to keep to who keeps track of the women's national team and tries to you know is watching that evolution happen right now that team is definitely in a they just had the, a new coach for the for the U.S. Women's National Team. I think that the the teams you're going to start seeing roll out are not going to have the familiar names. You know, we saw, you know, Rapino and Krieger uh, play their last professional games. Mm-hmm. These are people that have been basically synonymous with women's soccer in the United States for the last decade plus. Um, so, as we're watching that kind of the evolution of that international soccer and seeing some of these players that, uh, you know, this is it's going to come through. Like we're going to see all these players that are we're going to see in the World Cup and the Olympics, they're going to be playing, if not for the Royals, they're going to be playing on the field here in Sandy against the Royals. We're going to see some incredible games. I think, I mean, Andy Bazell has it's one of those those 
it's one of those leagues that I think I always feel like I'm, I have to like talk people into it. I don't know that that's necessarily my, you know, I don't think they, they need me doing that for them, but I have, every time I watch an NWSL game, I'm always like, this game is bananas. <laughs> there's so much stuff happening. There's so many, there's so many plays. There's so many things that I'm not used to seeing on a, on a soccer field happening. And there's so much, so many people that are, you know, so many names that I feel like, you know, I, I think I, I don't know with NWSL, I think that I kind of maybe drift away from a little bit. Um, you know, without the Royals being involved and then hearing the names that that are, I expect to hear certain names and then hearing the new names coming up, the, the people that are the, the new batch of, of just extra, incredible talent that's being, that's on display almost every week, you know, and, and I, you know, it's, it's, it's an exciting thing to be part of. I think that that was one of those things that like, you know, talking about the first iteration of the Royals, like we were, you know, just sitting here waiting for a, a team to show up. But then that team showed up and it was Becky Sarbron and Kelly O'Hara. And it was like, there was incredible things happening. We watched the, the, the players that came through and played. I don't know. It's just this incredible thing. I, I, I really like sometimes don't, when you when you feel like how lucky we are to have this happening right here within within our club, I think it's such a great it's 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 an exciting time. It's fun and not like honestly, I get I get super excited talking about it. I'm getting kind of yeah, no, it'll be fun. Um, you know, Amy still is hiring her staff. Uh, a lot of Royals positions off the field are also coming into fruition. So, you know, keep an eye out on the Utah Royals and RSL website social. Etc. as the club continues to grow and evolve and you know a lot's going to happen between thanksgiving and christmas i'd be remiss if i didn't mention that season tickets to either the royals or rsl make great holiday gifts for anybody that's uh, looking for something different and exciting and you know, sometimes experiences not things make for rewarding memories so uh, buy your season tickets uh, look forward to spending a lot of time out at America First Field in Sandy for both teams in 2024. And then uh, preseason starts in January and MLS season starts in February. And I think the NWSL season um, is going to start uh, not, too, not too long after that February 24th MLS kickoff. Well, thanks, Jerry. Thanks for calling in from the road. Uh, get back safe. Always. We'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, there'll be uh, we can get a little more into uh, the depth and breadth of these roster decisions, the key dates in MLS and NWSL going forward. Probably have some more Royals player announcements uh, by the next time we record in another week or so, Ryan. And uh, the you know, there's no no rest for the weary, no sleep in the off season. Um, you may remember me saying this back in the day, but. I love the season more than the off season because there's a rhythm, you know, to having a game uh, every weekend to look forward forward to, and you kind of get into a cadence. Although this year was a little difficult with League's Cup and Open Cup was different, all those extra Wednesday games because of League's Cup and its place in the calendar. But man, the off season is chaotic, and um, I'm not complaining because it is fun and it, and it is exciting, but. You just, uh, it's a little bit more of a fire drill, let's say, uh, than the typical uh, calendar during the interminable 10 month season that uh, MLS occupies in everybody's hearts and minds. All right, everybody, that's it for this week's Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. We'd love to hear from you. Tag us in your socials at Claret Cobalt on Twitter and Instagram. 
anchor.fm slash claret and COBOL. Hit that message function. Or you can always email us, rsltrey at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We look forward to bringing you some unique off-season interviews and perspectives. And uh, once again, we thank our partner, One Wire Fiber, for making this all possible. Ryan, really appreciate you all year long uh, supporting me, dealing with my crazy schedule, and uh, always bringing the, the thoughts of RSL fans, of Utah soccer fans, uh, into this show so that we are hopefully addressing what everybody uh, wants to hear. So have a great week, everybody. We'll talk soon. And uh, that's it. That's it for this week's show. Thank you, everybody.